My name is Phil Parazio, and I'm a urologic oncologist, a surgeon. Like many of you, I absolutely love what I do, and I would not choose another profession. But I have struggled with professional identity, practice efficiency, and wellness over the years. Operate with Zen is a podcast designed to explore a mindful approach to surgery and to being a surgeon. By discussing these struggles and mindful solutions, I hope together we can create a community of strong and healthy surgeons. Enjoy. This episode of Operate with Zen. In this solo episode, we're going to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how it applies directly to what we do in medicine and what we do in surgery. We've talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs in season one, episode eight. So if you want to hear a little bit more, tune in to that episode. Otherwise, I'll bring you up to speed here today. So Abraham Maslow was a famous American psychologist who's most well credited with developing this hierarchy of needs that we're going to discuss today. He was a professor at a number of famous and important New York colleges, including uh, Columbia University, Brandeis University. And one of the other quotes and famous things uh, attributed to Abraham Maslow is, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything will look like a nail. That uh, phrase is attributed to Abraham Maslow and called Maslow's hammer. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs was developed to explain how we get from basic needs and levels towards what he called self-actualization, which was achieving one's full potential. And the hierarchy of needs are basically broken down into three main components, which are basic needs, which include our physiologic needs like food, water, warmth, and rest, and safety needs, which are security and safety. Psychological needs are the second tier, which are esteem feelings of accomplishment and prestige, as well as belongingness and love, which have to do with our intimate relationships. And then finally, our self-fulfillment needs, which basically allow us to achieve our full potential, including creative activities and self-actualization. These needs can be further considered into what he called deficiency or D needs. Deficiency needs, um, when we're lacking them, we seek them. And these are These are our physiologic safety, belongingness, and esteem needs. When we are lacking in these four needs, we seek them out. Whereas the self-fulfillment needs are basically a be or being need, things that arise from a desire to be better, to, to achieve one's full potential. And the basic tenets of the hierarchy of needs is that the lower levels need to be satisfied before we can climb up that ladder or climb up the pyramid, as he put it, towards self-actualization. And it's important to recognize that this is not an all or or none phenomenon. You don't need to be the most well-fed, safest person in the world to climb up the relation, to climb up the ladder into relationships and self-esteem, but you do need to meet some level of safety and physiologic needs before you can start climbing up towards self-actualization. And you may have heard, heard me say this before, but this is one of the biggest criticisms of this podcast and the wellness movement is how are we supposed to work towards self-actualization when we're really struggling with being a resident, being an overworked surgeon, um, 
having real struggles with our family and our life and everything else we're trying to put together. And what I'm going to try and basically do by working through this argument and work through this hierarchy of needs is explain to you that by working at the bottom levels, meeting our physiologic needs and our safety needs and our intimate relationships first, that will allow us to climb up and generate more energy, more um more energy and more awareness and the ability to work towards self-actualization and achieving our full potential. And so just some, you know, basic observations in, in, in reality of this hierarchy of needs. Well, this is the reason and justification for a lot of inner city schools to provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner at school. Students cannot learn or cannot be expected to learn if they don't have their physiologic needs met. So by schools providing food, safety, warmth, comfort, students are allowed to achieve um, much higher academically and, uh, and beyond school. And I think the vast majority of those programs have been smashing successes in the school districts in which they were employed. The other way you can see it is a failure to progress from a need. So you can see where someone can get fixated on food or on safety and are unable to progress up the ladder or up the pyramid because they are so focused on lower needs. And this is not necessarily uh, an issue, I think, for a lot of people in medicine and surgery. We're trying to get to that top need or the self-actualization, but what we're failing to do is fill in the rungs beneath us. And in, uh, important to recognize also that these be or being needs, the self-fulfillment is actually not just one step, but there's a lot of components to this. This can be considered cognitive needs, aesthetic needs, self-actualization, and even consideration of, of realms of transcendence or achieving something beyond oneself, which as we've talked about throughout this podcast, what a lot of us are aiming for. So how do we get towards that self-actualization towards that one's potential. And to Maslow, Maslow, this was conceptually similar to enlightenment. And while we're not talking about enlightenment in the Buddhist sense, we're talking about achieving something greater than oneself. And it's highly individualized. It's based on one's own values and goals, which we've talked about. And in Maslow's assessment, less than 2% of the population actually self-actualizes. And when he studied this, he pulled out examples basically from history, Abraham Lincoln, Albert Einstein, Thomas Jefferson, Beethoven, Eleanor Roosevelt, Mother Teresa. And one of the big criticisms of Maslow and this whole model is that this was heavily a white and particularly male sense of self-actualization. But some of the principles still hold true as future and uh, as kind of more contemporary and future psychologists work towards a more diverse understanding of, of Maslow. And what he also importantly realized was that self-actualization was realized through peak experiences. And we'll have another podcast somewhere down the road on peak experience and flow and a flow state and what that all means. But this was an important sense of euphoria and joy and wonder that kind of emanated from these people as they work towards self-actualization. And one of the, the last and important needs that this was not a perfect state, right? We're not reaching nirvana and staying in nirvana and completely uh, detaching from the current world, but that a person is always becoming and never remains static and always working towards self-actualization. So Maslow came up with a number of characteristics of self-actualizers. 
Um, there's actually 15 of them. I'm not going to go through all 15, but I'll give you some of them that I think are really important as we think about being surgeons and about being medical providers. First, these uh, self-actualizers were able to perceive reality efficiently, and they were able to tolerate uncertainty. They accepted themselves for who they were. They tended to focus on problems uh, and and be problem solvers rather than self-centered. They were always interested in the welfare of humanity. They had a deep appreciation for basic life experiences, the simple parts of life, not the complex. They had deeply satisfying interpersonal relationships with a few people rather than massive uh, esteem needs to, to feel um, met by the masses. And really importantly, they had strong moral and ethical standards, which I think are a lot of the concepts that surgeons and, and physicians and physician assistants and nurse practitioners and nurses, this is what we bring to the table by choosing a career in healthcare. Now, interestingly, we talked in some of the earlier podcasts about the monk vine, monk mind versus monkey mind. And a lot of that comes from uh, the direct example is from Jay Shetty's book, Think Like a Monk. But there are a lot of examples of self-actualization that actually meet the monk mind standards. The monk mind, remember, focused on long-term game, committed to a mission, a vision, or a goal in someone who is seeking self-mastery and control and someone who's looking for meaning and looking for genuine solutions instead of someone who tends to be more focused on the self and short-term gains. And so Maslow said there were a number of behaviors that lead to self-actualization. First one he said was experience life like a child, have full absorption and concentration in mindfulness practices, this is called beginner's mind. And it's even though we may have expertise and may have years of schooling under our belt and really know what we're talking about, a disease state or a surgery or whatever it may be, it's still approaching every day with a beginner's mind, being curious about who we're interacting with, what we're interacting with, and how that individual or special cir- or how that individual circumstance can be special. Maslow said we should try new things instead of sticking to safe paths, listening to our own feelings and evaluate experience instead of just valuing tradition or authority or the majority or in medicine, this would be dogma. So challenging dogma is a healthy way to think uh, as a self-actualizer. Avoiding pretenses and not playing games, but being truthful and honest with yourself and with people. In that vein, being prepared to take unpopular views if you truly believe that's the right thing for yourself or for your patient or for the field. Taking responsibility for the hard work you put in, which is really hard as a surgeon. We tend not to give ourselves credit and ourselves compassion. And lastly, trying to identify the defenses that hold us back and have the courage to give them up so we can move on. And if you think about these behaviors that lead to self-actualization. These are also really truly behaviors that lead to successful careers in medicine. And particularly those who think about academic medicine and publishing, they're almost directly applicable. So what does, how does Maslow translate into medicine? And if you're following along on, on YouTube or looking at the video, you can see I've kind of mapped out Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I've put in some of our more specific medical components. And the first is, once again, our physiologic needs. And 
we basically achieve those things by, by being where we are. And we typically have the means, even as residents and trainees and students for food, water, warmth, and rest, but we don't spend enough time trying to really make sure we're getting, we're, we're focused on our physical well-being. And so by having good night nutrition, by having adequate sleep, by working on our physical health, we can create more discretional energy, more of the ability to climb up the ladder. And in full disclosure, I did not do this well when I was a trainee. I did not do this well when I was a student. And in retrospect, the things that got me through were actually times when I did work on my physical health, focusing on good nutrition. And now, you know, 10, 15 years later, I'm able to look backwards and say, I wish I had done the things and wish I had learned those things now. So I really talk with my trainees now about do your best to get some good sleep, try to get some good nutrition and you don't just eat what's, what's convenient, eat what's healthy and makes you feel good. The second level of the hierarchy is safety and security. And I think for physicians and for surgeons, this is our clinical practice. That will, that is what provides our safety and security. So this is a full clinic and operating room for us. This is effective patient communications. This is fulfilling clinical work and tied to all of that is our salary and incentive structure. So, you know, the, the money of medicine and the money of surgery provides safety and security for us and for our family. And if we're able to generate the RVUs and the funds and the things we need to do, we can feel safe and secure. But at the same point, you can imagine when your clinical practice is really struggling, whether this is an intake issue with your access system, whether this is problems with access to the operating room, this creates a tremendous amount of strife and anxiety. And where that comes from is really an insecurity about safety and security. How are we going to be able to provide for ourselves and for our loved ones? The next step up the ladder is intimate relationships and friends. And at work, we have intimate relationships and friends too. These are our colleagues. This is a relationship with our boss, our chairperson, and the administration. And being able to navigate those relationships is an incredibly important part of climbing the ladder to become to, to be able to work on the things we want to work on. In medicine, the esteem needs really, I think, revolve around productivity. This is our feeling of accomplishments. And for those of us in academics, this may be papers and publications and grants, but it could also be the clinical development of a program, right? We, we now develop programs. We have uh, physicians who are involved in the administration of safety and quality initiatives. We are asked to give invited presentations on a variety of work, and we do. A, no, a number of us have administrative roles, whether it's developing our own practices or helping our colleagues, and we get great senses of accomplishment from working on these kind of productive needs. But lastly, at the top of the pyramid uh, in the self-actualization mode is this is where we can achieve our, our highest potential. And for some of us, this is leadership roles. This is taking not only programmatic development, but scaling those programs out to enterprise level. These are chair and chief roles in their greatest sense. And, and the more simpler levels, mentorship and coaching. And I would briefly make the argument that you cannot be a good mentor and a good coach 
or you cannot be your best mentor or best coach if you have not met your other needs before. And when you're feeling safe and secure and you have good relationships and you are productive, you're able to share those experiences and share that wealth with others. And, and that can help you achieve your, your potential. And remember, this one's potential is different for, for everybody and everybody's going to have their own values and goals. And it's why we work through those things particularly as we talk about self-identity and and who we are. So for some people, this may be a chairperson. For some people, this may just be um, considered having clinical expertise. For some people, they they might want to be the go-to person in the hospital for urologic needs or vascular needs or whatever the surgical needs. You may want to be the best trauma surgeon in your center. All This one's potential is highly individualized, but identifying our values and our needs really helps us uh, get to that point. And so two last, uh, two last points I want to make here is where we are today is not necessarily where we're going to be tomorrow. And um, there was a great article in the New York Times by Tim Urban who talked about how COVID, uh, the, the title of the article was how COVID stole our time and how we can get it back. And if we think in kind of the physics sense of things, there's when we were born, there was a... Uh, we'll say infinite, but there's a, a hugely finite number of possibilities our life could end up. And at, and today we are at a certain point in our life. And from this point moving forward, there are a hugely finite number of outcomes for us. And so we can decide to try and move actively towards self-actualization in who we are and think think actively about these things. We can be intentional and purposeful about them in a mindful sense, or we can just hope to get there. And I would challenge each of you listening that thinking about this framework of Maslow and meeting your basic needs, working up towards your, uh, your interpersonal needs and your, uh, your esteem needs, and then towards self-actualization may help put this in a framework of meeting of how you can proceed from where you are to the place you want to be somewhere down the road. So I'll leave uh, this with a quote from George Sand said, one changes from day to day. Every few years, one becomes a new being. And I would challenge you all to become new beings and be intentional and purposeful about the direction you want to move in. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy this season of Operate with Zen and I look forward to talking to you all soon.